Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I am your host, Allison Seigen. Uh, my guest today is Curtis Blaze. Uh, today we're talking about minute 43, so that's going to be from 0 hours 42 minutes and uh, to 0 hours 42 minutes and 59 seconds. Uh, Curtis, how are you doing? I am doing well. How are you doing today? Yeah, so it, I, I'm just a... How the sausage gets made. We're recording this on a separate day as the other one, so uh, getting back into the swing of ch- chatting about glass onion and uh, what a place to get started with with this minute because of all of the security because most of the cost. Check this out. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Don't tell the insurance guys, but mm-hmm. I had a little override button installed. Oh, yeah, where do you, you think did. it is? Just, it, 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 it's just like, I feel like we're getting to the core of the onion that is Miles Braun in this minute. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's fun that we get to chat about it. And, such, and starting with such visual dramatic drama. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. And starting off with um, some of the, uh, like, the intense security system, but also just, like, the override and like what level of hubris do you have to have to have an override to your security system built in? Like, oh my gosh! <laughs> no, it's, it's so freaking sensitive. A phone dings, it closes up. It's it's ridiculous. But I needed to be able to look her in the eyes without glass in between us. Like, it, to what purpose too? Because it, it it keeps it open unless you go unless there's like super loud noise or something near it or anything like that. Well, so why would you need to override it? What we see is that it, set, it gets set off by fire and noise. Yes. Right? Okay. So it has a heat sensor in the room. It has really just a single lighter, a single crack pipe lighter uh, sets this thing off and yeah, as noises a... from the phone. So if you had rent the Mona Lisa money from the country of France. And they were like insisting that you have all these security devices placed around it. Yes. And you also had hire someone to overcome the security devices money. Are you saying that you wouldn't want to simply get up and put your eyeball an inch away from the Mona Lisa and examine his brush strokes and put that thing under different kinds of light and and really look at it like if you had the mona lisa that close uh, and under your control I mean, you what do you want to you can get pretty dang close without like needing that override it seems it feels like yeah but especially yeah. You, you've looked at things though through plexiglass right and and there's no you know, the quality of light bouncing back out of it, someone who really appreciates... I'm not saying that Miles really appreciates anything. He's doing it for I ego. Mean, but, like, I would, want, f- I would want to see what it looks like naked. My mom took me to Paris when I was six years old. First time I looked at this lady, it changed my life. 
You know Da Vinci invented a technique for brushstrokes that leave no lines? That's how you can look straight at her and her expression changes every time. Her smile's there, then it disappears. Is she happy? Is she sad? Is it something else? Yeah, I, I suppose I would just be like, let's appreciate how close I can get to it. Like, you know, uh, just because, I mean, I'd want to, but also I, I feel like you can get pretty dang close since there's like a level of heat and there's a level of sound like you can get pretty dang close without it the security system sh uh, going on there so i i don't know i feel like man i, I, I genuinely I, wouldn't want to but I, I don't know if this makes me a bad person or not it probably does uh but no, I, I, would, mean... I might even i might even just with the tip of my finger in the very darkest corner of the painting just want to just touch it once to see what it feels like this simple thing that you thought you were looking at it suddenly takes on layers and depth so complex <laughs> see i i'd have the i'd have the urge for that but also i would be constantly terrified that somehow france would know and then they would like make me enemy number one of the state of france and i could never come back <laughs> like i Man, like, like, yeah, I, I'd have that like gut desire because I mean, you know, everybody has that like kind of gut desire when you're told you can't do something to go, oh, but what if I did? Um, and and I can see that with with like the most pain, famous painting in the world to do that, but also I'd be like constantly terrified that I was going to somehow ruin the painting or somehow get found out and the, and France would be like, well, you can never come back to our country. And I'll go, no, no, I can't have delicious bread in France anymore. And that's a deal breaker. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how bad it would get with me. You know, <laughs> I, I, maybe I, I mean, what, what I, would I go to the lengths of taking an exacto knife and take, and taking, one single little barely visible scrape of the painting and then like like put that in plexiglass for me to treasure always oh my god am I, i'm such a bad person i'm just no, thinking about I, these I things mean, and it's like oh god i kind of want to do that <laughs> i think that we genuinely can't understand how we would be um unless we had that kind of money you know like it, it, I think it does genuinely change people. Yeah. And it, it having that level of I can buy the I can rent the Mona Lisa from this from the country of France money like it I don't know if there's any way that you can get to that point and not you know ha have that kind of like some sort of selfish impulse. I know and, it, it's and it, I think a lot of people selfish. do and like but like I, I feel I like think though, that it, I feel like though I would treasure that thing forever it would it would have a prominent pay, place as far as things go as far as anything can be important to me it would be like this most treasured connection I have with Da Vinci you know versus Miles would throw in a storage throw in a garage somewhere it'd be it'd be gathering dust in the front seat of one of his corvettes in a, in one of his garages that he doesn't visit anymore 
You know, although I, I do, I kind of wonder because I, part of me wonders if, um, this is maybe the most earnest we've ever seen Miles is him talking about the life-changing experience of him seeing the Mona Lisa. Uh, and I mean, the analysis of the painting itself of, of the brushstroke and use, and using a style that leaves no visible brush marks, like that is like, you know, fairly decent. I mean, it's kind of basic, but it's, it's accurate appreciation of the art form. So I'm like, he knows something. Oh, or, at least he, we know... or at least he Wikipedia a, a, a thing to say right. to impress other people. <laughs> well, yeah, that that's true. That that very well could be. That's the problem with but, Miles. I mean, you don't know for sure. But I mean, he he doesn't even know the name of the the sea they're in. Like he he's not able. He's not looking up anything else. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. It's I mean it's hard to say. But I think this is, like, I personally think that this is, like, the one little um, uh, bit of humanity we see. It's also it's kind of jerky, but I, I was like, I, I heard that and then I, I looked it up and I was like, yeah, no, that, that does sound pretty accurate. And um, a, a um, discussion of the... Um, technique, which is sfumato. I don't know how to pronounce that because it's S-F-U-M-A-T-O. But it, that is, it is, is a, you know, not a bad uh, description of, of that. So It just makes me, know. you know, it, it doesn't surprise me that something like that happened. My, my lack of uh, art... Education is such that I didn't know that I didn't know that was a thing. No, I mean I I, I looked up that term and everything. Um, I I didn't really know that, but but it is like a um, I mean it is like a pretty accurate description when he is discussing when he doesn't seem to when when he can't even look up that Rothko painting being upside down. He can't even look up the <laughs> name of that Rothko painting. <laughs> yeah. The name of it tells you how to hang it. <laughs> exactly, like it told you, it's red above blue, and you're like, uh, and you're like, okay, and he 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 didn't even look it up, so it's like, you know, my problem. I, if it was me, my overthinking brain would go, maybe that's an ironic name. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's what. See, that's how I would have, uh, uh, would have done that, but. <laughs> it, but I mean, there's pictures of it hung up and stuff. I, I no, yeah. but I, I get that too because I would totally name something like that, uh, blue above red, and be like, "Whoops." Um. <laughs> oh, this scene though. Uh, oh, oh. Uh, I, I did you notice that when he starts bragging about the override, he's saying that directly to Bertie. Mm. Once again, our theory continuing. About- him. Our theory that he's specifically trying to impress Birdie. Right. Because he, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I noticed that, but that's that's absolutely correct. He's, um. doing the whole, he's doing the whole lean it over the bar to her, confiding it to her directly thing. Man, imagine you um, being like one of the richest people in the world and having to get the Mona Lisa to try and 
woo, you're intended. It's like, that's intense, man. <laughs> like, look, at, I got this for you, and I have an override sh- sh- where it's a little naughty, like whatever we did to get on the no-fly list. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> the next part of this movie, now having having gotten to know you now for a couple of hours, makes me think that, oh, this would be like you. It would definitely be me. Uh, when I forget the name of her, oh, what's the name of her assistant? Uh, 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 Peg. Peg. <laughs> Leans against the, the statue and almost, almost bops it down. Oh my gosh, it gave me anxiety. <laughs> it was, it was filmed so perfectly too, to do that. To yeah. give people anxiety. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, it also just shows like how, uh, like precarious of a of a place to stand around and look at art it is where you sit you kind of can just nudge at this like this glasswork and then go oh this is gonna fall over and and that's another thing uh to add to our list about niles fake or miles faking it because not only is this glass thing precariously balanced on this you know thing it's a yeah. But it's but that thing itself isn't solid. Mm-hmm. Like he's taken he's taken no care to properly display any of the any of the works here. Yeah. He he's taken no care and I mean it's not even like a pleasant place to look at the piece. Like there's no place to you know sit, appreciate it. If 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 the goal is to be able to get up close like the you know i don't know it feels like there should be some like method to some like bench to appreciate the mona lisa from the perfect vantage or i don't know that's that's another thing i was going to bring up that what you're saying there reminds me of my little gripe here there isn't there isn't a place you can view the mona lisa from that doesn't have um lighting reflecting on it mm. he, he's taken no care to like create a place where the lighting doesn't reflect off of the safety stuff it's just this big gross right you know chandelier shining off this thing from every angle and a, you know right. a big line right through the middle of right through the middle of her body oh gosh you're yeah you're no you're absolutely right and i mean I, there's no thought to the display whereas like if you're at, in an actual museum or seeing a piece I, I mean yeah a lot of things have uh plexiglass or especially the, the you know kind of more important pieces but yeah but they really sure... I, I it's go on, they, go on. I, I feel like whenever i go it's like mostly only noticeable if you're trying to take a picture and you go like oh there there it is but you don't really necessarily it, it's like set up in such a way that you can enjoy the art as best you can um well, you've been in the, um, you've actually been in the Louvre, in the room with the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Assuming they don't just have a fake up there for <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? I mean, it, um, it got famous for being stolen, so. Right. Uh, so, so you can say, I'm only guessing, but you can say, probably not across from an open window somewhere with sunlight shining on it. No, no, no. Like any, it is, and, and definitely not hung up just straight up in a window with light shining through the back of it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, 
Which is yeah, some no, kind it's... of thing that makes it hard to view. Yeah, it, it, it's just, it, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I, I was thinking, oh, there's like a level of, um, you know, actual love for it, but he still, like, he can't um, help but view it as a status symbol. Like, like it's, you know, I, I, have, I have seen it, and um, it is pretty small. It's, it's, and there's so many people who are trying to see it at once that you're just kind of, like, <laughs> literally in this, like, roped-off crowd trying to get your way to the front to see this painting, and then you go... That is sure the famous painting. All of the, um, all of the photos I've seen of it are just people with their cell phones above their heads, <laughs> just a crowd yeah. of people trying to get a picture of the thing. It's yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 hard. It's hard to see. So, it, it, like again, I can understand an impulse of like wanting to be up and close with it because I I think that a lot of people who see it might or who might go might be kind of unimpressed because they're like you can only see it from a distance it's not like a huge painting it's no, it's, uh, like, it's like very small yeah it's it's like surprisingly small so so you go oh okay that's it um so i can see the impulse to go like no like if you look at at it like in detail there's there is you know really interesting artistry there I mean, Da Vinci was a master, but but also like it's it's hung up in a place of you know kind of honor in this in this large room. There's it's certainly not you know with light shining in the back of it or um, across oh. from a window or in a place where you can't see anything because of various reflections. Like you, you can still see the painting. It's just a. It's just kind of a pain to see it because it's a, because of the whole, you know, they are being a very careful with this painting as well they should be, and right. Miles should be too. Miles, Miles, really, it's 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 just a, it's just arm candy to him basically. There's no, yeah. there's no piece of art in this room that's properly displayed in a way that lets you just focus on the piece of art. Right. And and that's what I mean, what a good art museum does is being able to show, you know, you know, have you appreciate the painting in the best light and in the best, um, you know, vantage point and yeah. uh, like there's a lot of care taken to where, where things are hung and where how things are curated. Um, but here it's like. You're you're absolutely right. I I don't. This is not the optimal place to view <laughs> the Mona Lisa when you have this unreal opportunity because of how much money you've got. It's. Uh, I'll say, it's, even though it's become the complaint about Miles' uh, lack of being able to curate art properly, show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and even just looking at the. Even just looking at the movie on my TV screen, just watching this with the reflection of all the blah 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 blah, I'm still so impressed by this painting. Just yeah, oh yeah, you know <laughs> it. It is more vibrant looking than than I imagined because I've never really, I've never really examined this particular painting. This is not the Da Vinci thing that that I'm into. Um, 
I'm more of a Van Gogh guy, honestly. I know that's oh, I know that's cliche, but too. that's he's my dude. <laughs> Do, no, no, I I I saw that Van Gogh exhibit um, recently, and I I, I mean I, I I I saw uh, Starry Night at the MoMA and uh, straight up started like almost crying yeah, because I was too. like, it's just so emotional. And I don't know if necessarily a lot of these kind of Renaissance masterpieces have that same like level of emotion for me personally, but it's, I mean, like the technique that he uses and that Miles describes in this minute is, is still pretty extraordinary how like, I, I, I think they've done analysis of the various brushstrokes on, on there. The just like, almost invisible brush strokes that give this impression that it wasn't even really painted on, which is not really personally, I, I like visible brush strokes in my painting. So that's why it's not really my thing, but it's also like, it's just an impressive, incredibly impressive technically as a painting. So it's, it's, a, it's a very cool painting. Um, it really is. It, it really is. And, and the colors yeah. and the weird perspective and just everything to it. I just, I appreciate the painting more because of this movie, even though this movie highlighted how much, how little care they were giving to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's frustrating. And, and like, as a very amateur art enjoyer, it, it, it's frustrating because I feel like there's, to see these things be used as status symbols because I mean it is that is what a lot of wealthy people tend to do with the with art um a lot of the oh yeah going back fine all, all art the way selling time. it's what the Nazis did it's what the people before them did everybody all the yeah and and a lot of like the art um the current art sales market it's 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 like you're shuffling money around basically and it's it's frustrating but also i mean i don't know it's there there's so much that you can really learn about or i i don't know there's so much interesting stuff about art so it it frustrates me to see extremely wealthy people um do that and, and then know. of course the thing that makes the safety uh that overrides the safety features uh, Niles mm -hmm. has built the switch in into the shape of a jester. Mm -hmm. He probably he probably himself he probably considers himself a a jester and a joker and and got a got a little extra thrill out of doing that. He probably views it like as like a oh everybody loves this shit chick of mine and then it's like mm, they they tolerate it at best. <laughs> oh, I think I think Bertie's really. I think Bertie is well, uh, uh, that's true. thrilled by it, and eh, maybe a couple other people are. But I'm in the, uh, I think, kind of Peg represents the regular people in the room. Yeah, and absolutely. Her, her reactions to everything are just like eye-rolling and shrugging, and like, oh, how do you guys not see yeah. through this guy? Yeah, she she's absolutely the, um, that representation of it, of... of <laughs> Of the average person, and like we said in the previous minute, how he treats her, where he uh, he, he just does not have time for Peg at all, and you know it's it, it's it, it's yeah interesting to see her reactions to all of it. 
Um, oh, and and then so, and then we have LeBlanc, who's just he's you can just see on the look of his face he's I don't know if devastated is the right word. He looks upset, like he wants to say something, but kind of doesn't think it's his place to say something. He wants to object. But he's kind of, he's got bigger fish to fry than just this. It's just, right. You can just see he's forming this opinion of Miles. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, well, it, this guy. Well, I think then there's a an element of Blanc uh, basically um, trying to blend in. I mean, not necessarily blend in as possible, but seem non-threatening. Um, when he's he's in this place where he has to investigate, and I, I think you see it with, with with certain there's a it's a certain thing that you see with like certain really good like investigative journalists where they you know people don't really take them seriously and then they might um, you know get more information than if they were outwardly confrontational or something like that. So I think that I think that he he would like to say something here, but he's also like knows that he still has more to learn right. about all of these people, including Miles. So well, and you can see being... you can see the wheels turning too. Like he he's, yes, he's figuring he's reading Miles. He's figuring Miles out with all these right. moves. Yeah, right. Where he's seeing who Miles is. So. Um, which is, uh, I think, interesting. Um, I think the minute ends on a pretty interesting kind of editing choice where uh, Miles is talking about the aspects of the Mona Lisa that are kind of mysterious, and you look, you see her face, and it cuts between uh, the face of the Mona Lisa. And Andy's face in a pretty similar uh, position. And so I think that's an interesting kind of choice to say, like, oh, you, can, you can't really tell if she's happy or sad or angry. Like, the, the mood shifts and you can't really quite pinpoint it. And you kind of have that, that, that mirror, which was an interesting decision there. I had kind of a different reaction. The mm. uh, the Mona Lisa, when you look at her, it's always, is she smiling? Is she not smiling? Is she, you know, what's going on with her? And you can assign whatever emotion you're feeling to it, to her. Mm-hmm. And that kind of happened to me with Andy. Andy, let's see what's the right way to say this. The Mona Lisa intercutting with Andy's face made me look at the Mona Lisa as if she had accusing eyes. Mm. It, it it made me feel like the Mona Lisa was like judging Miles negatively. Mm. As he was talking That's... about her, I kind you know, intercutting with Andy made me just made me just feel like she doesn't like Miles. The Mona Lisa that is. <laughs> That's, That's the an reaction. interesting That's the reaction I had to watching that no, I think that that's really interesting, and I never thought about it that way because I just viewed that moment as what it says about Andy, but it doesn't. I never thought about the reverse there. And that's an interesting 
perspective because you're right, you do get a sense. I mean, with Andy, you don't get like a full read on her um, at this point in the movie. Right, right. But like you don't get a full read on her, but it's certainly not, she's not clearly not smiling or she's clearly not like happy with Miles, you know? So it's like, so I think that's very interesting because it's like, yeah, I got like that as like, oh, this is this is reflective of Andy because you can't fully pinpoint her. But like, you can pinpoint that it's not necessarily a good emotions towards Miles. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you know, then that brings up the other thing: Do I see that now because I've watched it more than once? The first time right. I watched it, would I have picked up on that? And and then you wonder also, you know, uh, how much of an auteur is Ryan Johnson? I think he is. I think he's kind of a genius myself, you know. For no, I totally agree. What do I know about filmmaking? But every time I watch one of his movies, there's always something else to find, some other layer. Even in the Star Wars movie, there's always another layer of thing to find that could mean something. And right. it gets to the point where there's so much. It's like, oh, is that just me trying to find, you know, some sort of pattern because I'm a human and that's what my brain does? Or is that on purpose? Is that something that Ryan Johnson is doing to me and trying to portray on film? Like, I'll never know because, you know, there's no possible way we're going to find a 16-hour interview with him where he describes every little thought that he had for every, you know, every single framed scene that he ever made. Uh, Man, but I I want it though. <laughs> <laughs> I want it too. <laughs> but I mean, I think that it, you know, regardless of if you necessarily know how much of it is is the intent, I I think that there's a you know that there is enough intent there that you can take a look at a lot of these um, these things and and read a lot like into them like like there is there is a lot of interesting there is a lot of layers there are a lot of pieces that you can analyze it that even if if it's not necessarily like authorially approved by ryan johnson you still have a lot you can do there like in, in one of the previous episodes i talked about how there's a very good video on YouTube uh, deeply analyzing the go scene from Knives Out. Oh, yeah, And yeah. It's, it, it, it is, it's fascinating where it, it, a lot, you can, from like a few very specific shots of this go board, people can read a whole story into it. And it's, it's, it's I think, fascinating that you know, there, there, I that it is possible to make those kind of inferences with Ryan Johnson movies, and I, I think that you it absolutely can without saying, mm, I think you're reading a little bit too much into this. One of the uh, one of the criticisms of Ryan Johnson for this movie is that he was putting too much pop culture references into it. Some people even described it as being, you know, as if he was making his Family Guy. Which no. I completely disagree with. I think, I I think if, even with the, 
all of the pop culture references just part of the onion i think i think mm-hmm. this movie is underappreciated by people that even appreciate the movie i think if someone mm-hmm. really did an analysis of this movie it'd be like that go scene i think oh especially this scene especially the minutes we have i think you yeah could, you could do a whole you know two hour well i guess we're on two and a half hours <laughs> <laughs> but people smarter than me could do a deep and you know a really deep dive right. deep analysis into this into just this scene and and come up with just some incredible insight into the yeah. mind of a, of a of an auteur. Yeah, well, and the scenes that are are broken down, um, like I know that there's a video of Ryan Johnson um, on YouTube. Let me just see which channel on Vanity Fair where he breaks down like the um the scene earlier in the movie on the dock when everybody's showing up oh sure, sure. and there it if, if you haven't seen that i would totally recommend it because it it shows all these like this thought going into the very specific blocking that he puts into every shot where every scene it's like okay we're going to film it so that these people come up here and this person comes up here um the the masks that they're wearing are kind of indicative of who they are as people. And there's just like so much thought put into every little detail. And you can see this um, analysis of, of a very, you know, specific scene. And I'm absolutely positive you could do that level of close analysis in terms of shot composition, in terms of editing, in terms of set direction, um, costuming, everything i'm sure that you could read really deeply into this and and find something really interesting i agree i'm a i think i think all of his all of his movies really the characters mm-hmm. drip with characterization you have yes you have just always you always have the characters informing their actions rather than just doing the next thing that needs to happen because the script says so. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's like, it's it's the type of thing where, oh, the, uh, this thing happens, so therefore this character does this thing because that character is X, Y, or Z. So it's like, it, they, they, they all act completely and according to what you know about their character. and And then you see, like, the costuming and how it's reflective and the drink orders and it's 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 really impressive work <laughs> and really it's just so fun to watch ryan johnson movies i tell you i am oh. out of things to talk about what about for this minute i think i am what too yeah <laughs> um yeah no i i don't have anything else so i think that I don't know if we have much to say because we've already talked a little bit about it, but I just remembered we have our daily question oh for the God, day, which is the daily question. Okay, go, go. I know. I forgot. Um, which is to uh, talk about the third film. And I don't know if I have much to say, honestly. I'm just kind of, I'm here for whatever he wants to do. You know, my, my opinion on that is kind of colored by listening because I am, I'm not just a, uh, a podcast guest i'm also a fan of the show so i've been listening to everybody every day as it comes out and there's been a mm-hmm. lot of course i've heard this question talked about by everybody so i'm so i'm, I'm kind of stuck not saying anything new here or at least new to us <laughs> um i like the fact that 
if he follows pattern, he's made like a fall movie with Knives Out, and he's made mm-hmm. like a summer movie with Glass Onion, which would make the next movie a winter movie, and I'm curious to see how that would play out. Or oh, I, that... Or be, I guess if he's going backwards, he would make a spring movie if he went from fall to summer. Yeah, it'd be spring next <laughs> if he's going backwards. I Either way, I'd be, I'd be really interested in whatever... It it makes me think that, that it makes me think that the next one could be a like a closed door or a closed room sort of <gasps> mystery, a, a classic, a proper classic one. I would love that <laughs> personally. Um, a lot of people yeah, are saying I, though. A lot of people are are speculating about it being a prequel. Hmm. Maybe not. I mean, not an origin story, but just dude when he's younger. Maybe his first case or something like that. Maybe. Well, well, you know, I trust. I I I trust Ryan honestly, but it's like I I say like oh like like I know it the guy, but um (laughs) I mean I I trust him. I don't know if I necessarily need sort of a prequel for Blanc. I kind of like that we only get like little snippets of him and he's just kind of coming in and out of all the of these these existing stories but you know I, I'm sure we'll see and whatever works well for this so I don't know well it's, it's been a it's been a fun episode thanks for having me on yeah thank you for joining um, so <laughs> we answered that question so we'll we'll be wrapping it up follow Curtis uh, and follow the show um, on either any of your podcast, podcatcher, podcast platforms of choice, um, please rate, review, and our Twitter handle is Glass Onion Men, which is all one word. And I will see you tomorrow. Baby, you don't know.